I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I, uh, short of a very, very dramatic event happening, um, Joe Biden looks like he will become the Democratic nominee. Um, we'll show you what Bernie Sanders said today if you missed it. Uh, here's what Bernie Sanders had to say after uh, his defeat in uh, Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi, Idaho. Uh, he did win North Dakota, and uh, Washington State is still uh, a lot of ballots to be counted. He's winning by a hair in Washington State. Let's listen to Bernie Sanders. And the American people also know that we need fundamental transformation of a broken and racist criminal justice system, as well as a cruel immigration system that keeps millions of people living in fear. But it is not just the ideological debate that our progressive movement is winning. We are winning the generational debate. While Joe Biden continues to do very well with older Americans, especially those people over 65, our campaign continues to win the vast majority of the votes of younger people. And I am talking about people not just in their 20s, but in their 30s and their 40s. The younger generations of this country continue in very strong numbers to support our campaign. Today, I say to the Democratic establishment, in order to win in the future, you need to win the voters who represent the future of our country, and you must speak to the issues of concern to them. You cannot simply be satisfied by winning the votes of people who are older. While our campaign has won the ideological debate, we are losing the debate over electability. I cannot tell you how many people our campaign has spoken to who have said, and I quote, I like what your campaign stands for. I agree with what your campaign stands for. But I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I think Joe is the best candidate to defeat Donald Trump. End of quote. We have heard that statement all over this country. Needless to say, I strongly disagree with that assertion. But that is what millions of Democrats and independents today believe. On Sunday, I very much look forward to the debate in Arizona with my friend Joe Biden. So I'm not going to play the whole thing. Uh, basically, Bernie Sanders went through the list of um, questions he would have for um, Joe Biden on the debate stage, which basically going down, what are you going to do about essentially all the problems you don't care about and your campaign does not care about. Um, I think that Bernie Sanders, again, I believe, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't think Bernie Sanders is going to win the nomination. I think it's not mathematically impossible, but I think it would take a very, very uh, massive, massive event. The only way Bernie Sanders is going to actually win which would be completely, completely unprecedented, 
uh, for Bernie Sanders to lose this many states and still somehow come back. Remember, there are uh, right now over, I believe um, there are 40 percent somewhere around there of states left to go. So there is still a lot of states left to go and the majority of delegates left to go. But it does not look good for Bernie. The, the states coming up uh, on um, uh, the 17th, Florida, it does not look good for Bernie. Uh, it does not look great for Bernie in a, in a lot of these states coming up. Bernie Sanders, the problem with his campaign, and there's a lot of problems, some of them are because of Bernie Sanders and some of them are because of factors totally out of his control that I want to get into. Bernie Sanders, the biggest problem, and I've been saying this since 2016, and a lot of people haven't liked me saying it, Bernie Sanders is a revolutionary figure stuck in a Washington, D.C. politician's body. What I mean by that, Bernie Sanders is a revolutionist who refuses to stop calling his opponent my friend. Bernie Sanders is a revolutionist who refused, I have spoken with people in his campaign, refused to go after Joe Biden for lying about his civil rights record, for lying about being arrested in apartheid South Africa, for lying about um, participating in civil rights sit-ins. Bernie Sanders is a revolutionist who openly said, yeah, I think Joe could beat Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders is a revolutionist that vaguely talked about Joe Biden's, you know, billionaires are funding him, but never went right at him, just like he refused to go right at Hillary Clinton, naming names. Bernie Sanders is a revolutionist that, frankly, was never willing to be the figurehead of a hostile, hostile takeover of the Democratic Party. Donald Trump, I'm not, I don't think Bernie Sanders should be anything like Donald Trump. But if there's the one thing, if there's one thing you would want to copy from Donald Trump, Donald Trump performed a hostile takeover of the Republican Party in 2016. There was a lot of racism. There's clearly fascism now. But Donald Trump did not call anyone his friends. He called them puppets. Donald Trump did not, did not pull punches. He named names. And you want to know something? People could say, well, that's the Republican Party. Democratic voters maybe wouldn't like that. No. As Jen could tell you, who's in the super chat and she studies psychology, people somewhere along the lines in politics made a decision to himself that he was not going to, quote, go what he perceives as negative. And let me give you a few examples. There is not a campaign, okay? Let's say it wasn't Bernie Sanders, right? Let's say it was, I don't know, um, Cory Booker versus Joe Biden. Let's say it was Better O'Rourke versus Joe Biden. Let's say it was any of these people versus Joe Biden. Bernie didn't run this time. Do you think any of them would think twice about running ads against Joe Biden in South Carolina of him lying about being arrested in apartheid South Africa? Do you think any of them would think twice about running ads against Joe Biden, about him making up stuff 
making up that he joined in in civil rights sit-ins? You think any of them wouldn't find the families of incarcerated black men who have been incarcerated for decades because of the crime bill that Joe Biden wrote? You think any of them would think twice about doing ads with the widows of Iraq war soldiers? I say this not because I'm mad at Bernie Sanders or because I'm criticizing Bernie Sanders. I'm just telling you factually, Bernie Sanders has chosen as his operating principle not to go to that place. And that's why it's not why he lost in 2016. And it's not the only reason he lost or he's losing right now. But it's a main reason because you want to know something. The majority of people. And when I say people, I mean voters have no idea about Joe Biden or anybody's actual records. They have no idea about their lies. They have no idea about who their donors are. They have no idea about any of it. Let me give you a, and the reason they don't is because of things like this. Let's take a look. But one thing that you said repeatedly on the trail, I think it's three times now, you said that during a visit to South Africa uh, to visit Nelson Mandela, which I know was a very memorable visit for you, that you were arrested when you were there. Your campaign has come out since and said, no, 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 you were separated from other people at the airport. But you did say arrest three yeah. times. What, why? Well, what I meant to say was I, I got off that. Look, I, I strongly... Strongly, strongly opposed to tarp apartheid. I was one of the leaders. And if you doubt it, go on JoeBiden.com and look at the exchange between George Schultz and me and the Foreign Relations Committee. And here's the deal. I was with a black delegation, the CDC, the, the, the Congressional Black Caucus. They had me get off a plane. The offer Connors got on in their short pants and their guns, let me off for led me off first and moved me in a direction totally different. I turned around and everybody, all the entire black delegation was going another way. I said, I'm not going to go in that door that says white only. I'm going with them. They said, you're not. You can't move. You can't go with them. And they, and they kept me there until finally I decided they were clear I wasn't going to move. And so what they finally did, they said, okay, they're not going to make the congressional delegation go through the black door. They're not going to make me go through the white door. They went, took us up, my memory serves me, through a baggage claim area up to a restaurant, and they cleared out a restaurant. I felt strongly about apartheid, one of the reasons we were there. And after, long after this, when Nelson Mandela was freed and came to the United States, he came to my office. He was one of the most incredible men I ever met. He sat down in my office, thanked me, thanked me for trying to all the work I did on apartheid. And so that's that's the context of it. When I okay. said arrested, I meant I was not able to I was not able to move. Cops, upper counters would not let me go with them, made me stay where I was. I guess I, I wasn't arrested. I was stopped. I was not able to move where I wanted to go. So I do have one question. When this is all said and done, this whole campaign, if Donald Trump is reelected as president of the United States, what will it tell you about America? The reason I played that clip, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna have a whole nother discussion about what needs to happen in terms of independent media because I have very strong thoughts on that too. The reason I played that clip is Bernie Sanders, okay, and his team, they, they felt, Bernie Sanders felt that because people are 
progressive. The country is progressive. Even the people voting for Biden, believe it or not, are progressive on the issues. Bernie Sanders felt that he could win the debate and he could win the election just based on the issues. But that's not how politics works. You have to also convince them that the other guy or gal is no good. That's how it works, Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders never realized, when you watch that clip, Joe Biden was lying through his teeth. Of course, he was not challenged. That anchor didn't follow up with him at all because those anchors are not journalists. None of the people you see on television are real journalists. They are propagandists. They are paid to be the biggest super PAC in America for the Democratic corporate establishment. On, on the Fox side, it's the Republican corporate establishment. So if Bernie Sanders was never going to actually run ads showing Joe Biden's, not just his lies, but his record. Jen, correct me if I'm wrong. Bernie Sanders just did a bunch of rallies in Michigan the week before the Michigan primary. I didn't hear that, I didn't hear once that Joe Biden, as recently as last year, was pushing the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. It's not just that Biden voted for NAFTA. It's that as Obama's vice president, he was championing the TPP deal. He was trying to get Hillary Clinton to stick with the TPP deal. When she ran for president in 2016, this wasn't mentioned by Bernie Sanders. I'm not a political person. I'm a journalist. But if you're Bernie Sanders, you bring people up on stage whose families have lost their jobs because of NAFTA, whose whose communities have been decimated because of NAFTA. Show the pain. And he, as a politician, was never willing to do that. He was willing to talk, and he has a consistent speech, but the American people, it's not just that they're uninformed, and we're going to get to why they're uninformed. The majority of Americans do not watch political shows on YouTube. The majority of Americans don't even watch that much CNN, MSNBC. The majority of Americans don't even read the New York Times, the Washington Post. The majority of, uh, the majority of Americans, frankly, are watching The Real Housewives, are watching National Geographic or Animal Planet or stuff totally unrelated to politics. The majority of Americans are not political animals like you and I. The majority of Americans work either one job where they're working 50 to 60 hours a week or working two to three jobs and raising kids. So the majority of Americans, I don't, I don't honestly blame the people that are voting against their own interests, which they clearly are doing in places like Michigan and elsewhere. No, when I say I'm not a political person, I mean I'm not a political strategist. Like I'm not an advisor to a politician's campaign. Obviously, I'm a, a political person. But the majority of people... Start paying attention to the elections maybe a week to two before the elections. They go online and Google. Maybe they see a couple ads on television. There's a very short window not only to convince people that you are the guy or gal that's going to fight for them, but to also convince them that the, per the other person is full of sh 
The other person has sold you down the river. The other person is a fraud, is a threat to you. That's how the Republican Party has kept power as long as they have, by playing dirty. And that is how the corporate Democratic establishment keeps power, by playing dirty. By the way, Barack Obama's campaign in 2008 against Hillary Clinton, it was hope and change on the front end. Behind the scenes, they played dirty. They ran nasty ads against Hillary Clinton. So did Hillary Clinton against Barack Obama. The nastiest ad that Bernie Sanders has run is Joe Biden and his record on Social Security. As far as I know, he didn't mention TPP once. And you want to know something? Bernie Sanders would not have lost South Carolina by 25 to 30 points if he was willing to do what needed to be done. And that is run ads, go at Joe Biden on working with segregationists in the Senate to stop busing. Bernie Sanders could have went after Joe Biden. Joe Biden made comments in the 1970s. I don't believe the black man should get a leg up to even the race. Joe Biden, besides the crime bill, Joe Biden and his Wall Street favoritism, his bankruptcy bill, Glass-Steagall repeal, not just the Iraq war, all of these economic policies have destroyed the black community. Joe Biden was pushing to get Glass-Steagall repealed. Guess what? The repeal of Glass-Steagall led to the 2008 financial crash. Guess what? The 2008 financial crash disproportionately hurt black Americans. There were more foreclosures of black people's homes than white people's homes. Because the bank's predatory lending was targeted mostly in black and brown communities and poor whites. If Bernie Sanders would have had ads in South Carolina, would have went at Joe Biden on debate stage, would have had his campaign do it, to go after him on his civil rights lies, to go after him on making up that he participated in civil rights sit-ins, go to Sean King's Twitter. He's meticulously documented all of the lies that Joe Biden has told. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Bernie Sanders is going to win the nomination. I'm just not going to lie to you. Uh, if that means you want to cancel your memberships, if that means you want to flee to, to, to a place that will feed you what you want to hear, I understand. I don't think he's going to win the nomination. However, I do think there still is a chance. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility, and here's why. And I've been saying this, and Jen's been saying this for, I don't know, six months. And I don't particularly care if we're criticized for it, because it's the truth. To me, it is very clear, objectively, Joe Biden has a cognitive illness. I say that not as a doctor. I'm not diagnosing him. I say that not to wish him ill will. Uh, you know, if you're progressive, say what you want. We don't like him. We don't like his policies. I don't wish ill health on anybody. But it is objectively obvious. And by the way, I have heard I've, on the campaign trail, I have heard in the press section, they call it the press pen, I have heard other journalists from mainstream outlets chattering about it amongst themselves. And they were not using the term cognitive decline. I'm not going to say who I heard saying it because I just don't think 
that's called for, that I should expose people who's, who were saying this. It's disgraceful that they will only talk about it amongst themselves, but they won't inform their readers <laughs> and their viewers. It is, it is a news story, whether you are progressive, conservative, neoliberal, or undecided. It is a news story when the last vice president of the United States, when the Democratic frontrunner currently cannot remember the name of the president he served. He forgot Obama's name twice in the last three weeks. It is a news story when the current frontrunner, okay, stumbles through the Declaration of Independence and, you know, the thing. That's not a stutter. You want to know how I know? Because I had a stutter when I was a child. It wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't that I couldn't speak, but I had a mild stutter, okay? I have spoken with nurses. I haven't spoken with doctors. I've spoken with nurses. Stutters do not make you forget people. It do, they do not make you forget what decade you served as vice president. The other day, he said he served, he got confused, thought he served as vice president in 1976. It doesn't make you forget that it's Super Tuesday, not Super Thursday. You know, it doesn't make you forget, uh, you know, when he says, I'm an, oh, I'm an uh, I'm a Biden Obama Democrat. That's not a stutter. And first of all, what's most, what's most irresponsible about it, what's most irresponsible about it isn't just the fact that the corporate media isn't is barely even reporting the instances where he's having these what's the most irresponsible element of it is they on their own are deciding oh these are gaffes these are gaffes which minimizes it let me tell you something whether you like joe biden or not whether you're a progressive or a conservative whether you are a bernie guy or or, or a trump guy or a Biden guy, if somebody has potential Alzheimer's or dementia, again, I don't know, I'm not diagnosing them as that, but if somebody has early onset something and you are ignoring it, and then you are willing to put that man on a debate stage in September and October against a political shark, Donald Trump might have declining mental faculties, but he's not talking like Joe Biden yet. The American people are a visual people. Many of you aren't old enough. I wasn't born yet, but I'm, I'm a student of history. Ronald Reagan won that election against Jimmy Carter, that one moment in the presidential debate where he said, I won't hold your youth and inexperienced against you. It was a line that made Jimmy Carter look so small. Yeah, there were economic factors too. But Reagan won in that one line. And Biden, besides his terrible record, his terrible, the corruption also, he could lose in one instance, in a one-on-one -on -one debate with Donald Trump, forgetting his train of thought, forgetting decades, forgetting names. It could, it could be over like that. And that is why the truth is it was never about among the corporate Democratic establishment, the priority was never number one, stopping Donald Trump. It was always stopping Bernie Sanders, even if it meant putting somebody up that frankly is exhibiting signs 
whatever you want to call it, of serious decline. So I say that. This is a one-on-one -on -one debate on Sunday. Um, there is not going to be a live audience. They canceled the live audience because of the coronavirus, which I thought was the right decision. Uh, I don't know the format. I don't know if it's going to be standing or sitting. Uh, you have to. It's CNN and Univision. You have to assume the debate moderators are going to be completely biased. They are going to give Biden softballs. To be honest, it would not surprise me if Biden starts stumbling and forgetting things if the moderators cut him off to protect him. But Joe Biden has been benefited by having eight to nine, in some instances, 10 other candidates on one stage, which has covered for his whatever you want to call it, sundowning or, or worse. And again, I'm not saying this to mock him. I don't wish this upon him. But what you see, it's blinking red lights in front of you. And journalists who pretend it's not, well, you get, <laughs> when it happens in October against Donald Trump, I have the tweets and I have the videos to say, we told you so. I even said in tweets and in videos, you want to know something, Democratic establishment? Pull them out and put Pete in. Put Amy in. Put anybody in. And let them face off on Bernie Sanders. You could still try to rig it. We know you will. But just take somebody out who's not capable cognitively of taking on Donald Trump. But they're going with him. So I say all this to say, I think, and there are a lot of states left to go. There are. I mean, I got the schedule right in front of me. You have, um, hold on, March 17th, Arizona, 67 delegates. Florida, 219 delegates. Illinois, 155. Ohio, 136. Georgia, 105. Puerto Rico, 51. April 4th, Alaska, Hawaii, Louisiana, Wyoming, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, uh, Kansas, Indiana, Nebraska, West Virginia. I'm putting all this out there not because I think it's likely Bernie Sanders is going to win. I'm not going to lie to you. But because in a one-on-one -on -one contest, I don't think Joe Biden is going to be able to cover for the fact he's not all cognitively there. And if those voters see that on a debate stage, there might be a second look, even among older voters, on the whole electability issue. I think Bernie Sanders, um, and I've said this before, and I don't expect him to do this because he has shown over and over and over that he is not willing to just take off the fucking gloves and do what needs to be done. And a lot of you yelled at me when I criticized him during debates and said, Jordan, he's, he's taking his time. He, he's pacing himself. He's going he's gonna to go after him. And I told you, well, how, how much time is he going to wait? He's still calling Joe Biden his friend. Joe Biden, B Bernie Sanders needs to say to Joe Biden, what are you going to say in October, Joe, when Donald Trump starts uh, calling you, excuse me, what are you going to say in June or July when Donald Trump starts talk, calling you NAFTA TPP Joe? What's your answer to the people of Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, when Donald Trump coined you TPP Joe? 
What's your answer when Donald Trump and the Republican Party with $200 million starts running ads about you lying about being arrested in apartheid South Africa, about you lying, participating in civil rights sit-ins? Frankly, I don't think Bernie Sanders would ever do it. A smart campaign would have put out the videos of Joe Biden sniffing little children's hair. I'm sorry. This is politics. I believe, I am a progressive. I believe in Medicare for All, a Green New Deal, uh, ending, uh, banning fracking, ending private prisons, elevating uh, black, brown, indigenous, LGBT, handicapped, the whole nine. I believe, not in a $15 minimum wage, I believe in a $25 minimum wage. Based on inflation from the 1970s, it should be at $22 right now. But Bernie Sanders, frankly, he needs to come absolutely guns blazing figuratively, not literally, at Joe Biden Sunday. And the truth is, he's not going to do it. He has shown he's not willing to do that. And that's part of the reason that he's going to lose. But the only chance he has of winning is if Joe Biden absolutely combusts. There's a lot of states to go. And as much as older voters have been brainwashed by the corporate media, and we're, we're going to get to that too, they also do want to defeat Donald Trump very badly. And if they think that there is a, you know, somebody who's not capable in front of them, somebody who's not all there with it, trust me, they will do what they have to do. And there's a lot of hot takes out there. But I think, and I say this humbly, I don't mean this arrogantly, but I believe that I, more than most, I believe I, frankly, more than Jimmy Dore, more than Kyle Kalinske, more than Jank of TYT, more than most of them, have an insight into why the progressive movement is losing more than most, even in independent media. Not because I'm smarter than them, not because I'm better than them, not because they're not smart, but because thanks to you and before you, TYT, when I was there, I've had the good fortune of going around the country on the ground and actually speaking with people. I've had the good fortune at this point, I've been to at least 40 of the 50 states. At this point, I have interviewed probably three to 5,000 people, mostly working class, struggling people. And I have interviewed a lot of older people too, 50, age 50 and above. Before I get to the, this conversation, I, I want to show you a graphic that I think tells the whole story, honestly. This is Michigan last night, folks. Who do you think is the candidate on the right, and who do you think is the candidate on the left? Bernie Sanders and the progressive movement are the movement for people under the age of 50. And I want to be clear. I want to be clear because I know this triggers some people. I understand there are a whole lot of people over the age of 50 that are progressive. I understand there are a whole lot of people, including status quo members, status quo viewers, that are progressive, that support Bernie Sanders and are as lightened and as and are as lightened as and are at, are enlightened politically. Unfortunately, your fellow boomers are not, and that's just the data. 
So when I when I start talking about this, I don't want you personally, if you're watching and over the age of 50, I don't want you to think where I'm attacking you. But the data is the data. 18 to 24, it's not even a contest. 25 to 29, it's not even a contest. 30 to 39, not even a contest. 40 to 49, a little bit closer, still a healthy margin. Look at age 50 and over. Look at age 65 and over. The, the boomers of this country are the ones, ironically, the boomers who have benefited the most from the New Deal. The boomers who have benefited the most from the very policies that Bernie Sanders is trying to revive. The, the boomers that have benefited the most from environmental regulations back in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. The boomers that have benefited the most from strong labor protections of the 1940s, 50s, 60s, early 70s. The boomers that have benefited the most from free public college uh, universities not, uh, when, when healthcare wasn't insanely expensive decades ago. Basically, the very boomers that have benefited from the policies that Bernie Sanders is trying to revive and basically extend the New Deal are the ones that have been brainwashed to think they're either not possible anymore or they're an electoral loser. Those are the people that have been brainwashed. And when I say brainwashed, I actually mean brainwashed. You want to know why? Do you think it's a coincidence? Do you think this graph, and by the way, this Michigan number last night, where Bernie cleaned up under 50, got crushed over 50? It's pretty similar around the country. Look at age over 50. Guess, guess what the average viewer age is in cable news. This is from 20. 17. In 2017, CNN's median age was 60. Their medium age viewer was 60. I'm not trying to be an ageist. I'm telling you the facts. The, the, the median, the middle age for somebody who watched CNN two years ago was 60 years old. Fox, 65. Sixty-three for MSNBC in 2016. Well, if that's the medium, meaning the middle, do 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 you wonder why they're supporting Joe Biden? You can knock on doors all day long. The problem is, when you're gone, a lot of those people are turning on the television to CNN and MSNBC. A lot of those people are, are turning on their laptops or whatever to the New York Times and the Washington Post. The corporate media and the propaganda that comes from the corporate media is being fed to them. It's a steady diet. I won't name names, but there's people in my life, both on the right, my father, well, I will name names, my father, watches Fox News like it's religion and he is brainwashed okay 
other people in my life watch MSNBC till they're blue in the face, CNN till they're blue in the face, and they're f-ing brainwashed too. And these are not stupid people, by the way. There's a difference between being brainwashed because you are being fed propaganda nonstop and intelligence. A lot of these people are intelligent. But the problem is, human psychology, if you are continually fed something called a narrative 24-7, and in this case, we know what the narrative was. The bottom line is, when I say Bernie Sanders has been going up to a knife fight holding a spoon, it's truly the same exact thing when it comes to media. And before I give you what my recipe is, I actually want to show you a clip that I thought was interesting from a fellow independent media uh, ally, Kyle Kalinske, uh, who does secular talk. He proposed something that I think is interesting that I want to talk about for a second. We either need to, moving forward, the left either needs to find a way to get corporate media to not hate us, or we need to actually build alternatives that are big enough to compete and set the narrative. Because I I hate to say this, new media, myself included, we just aren't big enough yet to control the narrative or compete with old media. We're just not. We fell abysmally short. In many ways, this race was old media versus new media, and us new media people got our asses kicked. We just couldn't do enough to help Bernie and set the narrative and get him over the edge. We did okay with our demographic. Our demographic, by and large, is young people. Um, In fact, we did very well with that demographic. Statistically, we got such a high uh, percentage of young people, but it wasn't enough to win the election because this was the revenge of the normie Democrat. The boomer liberal, the person who's drunk on MSNBC and CNN, and they genuinely believe the best way to beat Trump is with a cognitive declining Biden. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're not big enough. So either we need to get bigger so that we could set the narrative, or we need to play the game of politics better and somehow find lefty candidates who the media doesn't despise. And maybe it's as simple as, I don't know, complimenting them and telling them they're awesome behind the scenes and building relationships behind the scenes and just avoiding outright attacking corporate media, you know, in stump speeches or whatever it might be. I don't know the answer. And honestly, I don't know which one of those two paths is better in the long run. But what I do know is what we tried here, and Bernie is open and honest, and he's like me when he talks about the media. He doesn't like corporate media. But that really did backfire because... The nonstop, relentless, endless parade of Biden inevitability and sucking up to Biden and loving Biden and talking about his endorsements and saying he's the most electable, that absolutely had a deleterious impact on the election and helped Biden and hurt Bernie. First of all, to address, and by the way, just so you know, I've privately messaged Kyle already today about the question he asked. And for those of you that have been watching Status Quo for a long time, a long time, we're not even two years old, but have been watching, I have been saying this for over a year. Don't get get me wrong, status quo is not going to change. But I, unlike some other people in independent media, my ego is not so big that I refuse to join with other forces for the common good and the ultimate goal. So the difference between Kyle and I And uh, by the way, when I say difference, it's not like a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the difference. Kyle is openly a a political. His goal is political. He is openly for Bernie. His goal as a commentator is to help get Bernie elected. 
There is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, my job as a journalist, I'm open that I support Bernie Sanders, but I have never, ever said, and my job is not to elect Bernie Sanders. And I know Jen feels that way too. There is a difference between a commentator and, and a journalist. With that said, my role at Status Quo, and Status Quo exists not for one man or woman, not for one candidate, not for one movement. We exist to literally counter the corporate media propaganda machine. We exist to literally hand a microphone to you because you will never be given the microphone in corporate media. That's why we exist. We didn't create this slogan, give the microphone back to the people because it would fit on a bumper sticker or because we thought it was, we, you know, what do they say, Jen? Market tested it or market, market focused it? Trust me, we didn't. I believe truly in giving the microphone back to the people. But I also believe corporate media, I think people sometimes get confused by the term corporate media and they don't quite understand what it actually is. Corporate media is literally a multi-billion dollar industry of public relations professionals for corporate America masquerading on as journalists with makeup on. Let me say that one more time so you understand what it is. Corporate media, CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, all of these outlets. And I'm not saying every single journalist at every single outlet is terrible. But by and large, and by the way, how do I know? Because I've worked at two of them. Actually, I've worked at more than two of them. They are PR spinsters who put makeup on and pretend to be journalists. When CNN says, you know, sources tell us what they're actually telling you is what political operatives fed them. They don't verify whether it's true or not because it's spin. Most of what they report is spin fed to them by political operatives, by advisors to the president, by people. It's spin that they then regurgitate as news to drive a narrative. That's how, that's what corporate media is. It's just PR people masquerading as journalists. It is also, not how do you pronounce it? Psychops? It is also one of the biggest, most well-funded psychops in the entire country because it controls the way people think. Majority, when I say people, I mean the majority older people that consume it. And let me give you another example of just how this psychops works, okay? Let me give you one more example. Uh, I disagree because for a lot of women, and I do think that Senator Sanders and his campaign very much underestimate how much anger there still is on the part of a lot of women who whether it was the Bernie bros who attacked them and Senator Sanders did nothing to try. I mean, literally, people were being threatened. It was vicious in 2016. Well, you're saying they're still angry the next two weeks going I, forward. I'm saying that what I think his campaign is an understanding is what's bad for him about this yeah. is this. He came into this race with a lot of baggage from 2016 about the way women were treated by the Bernie bros, by his campaign. I've spoken to women who worked on his campaign in 2016. It was not 
a, a welcoming environment for a lot of women. And so to then have that kind of exchange with Senator Warren, who a lot of us at least respect, even if you're not going to vote for her, you respect her, that doesn't look good for him. And that She should have called him out that night. Well, I think she I, was camera trying to... On camera millions of people. Yeah. What do you think? I, look, I was like, I don't, I don't think about this. I have a, I mean, it's, I'm eating popcorn, but. So I'm sorry to have to play these things for you, but there's a point. Do you see what CNN did there right now? Well, not right now. This happened a while ago. What CNN did was put on Hillary Clinton's communications director from 2016, Karen Finney. Right there is a blatant conflict of interest. Why is Hillary Clinton's communication director on to discuss Bernie Sanders' supporters on Twitter? They also put on Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia, who is lifetime best friends with Bill and Hillary Clinton, who is one of the biggest, people know him in D.C., one of the biggest scummy little douches in all of D.C., do you see a progressive on that panel? Do you see any Bernie Sanders supporter? Do you see them even try to reach out to any Bernie Sanders supporter who might be online? By the way, a new study just came out that's revealed the Bernie bro th thing is a myth. People studied online behavior of all candidates. It's a total myth. But the, the point wasn't that Bernie bros were attacking anybody. That anchor didn't ask her, do you have any proof that threats were made physically or otherwise? It's the, the whole point is to gaslight viewers. The whole point is to distract viewers, in this case, older people, and to help form their opinions for them for the candidate you want or against the candidate you don't want. That is what CNN is. That is what MSNBC is. That is why, literally, if any of you went to journalism school, listen to this. That is why, literally, CNN took literally a story Elizabeth Warren told them or Elizabeth Warren's top advisors told them. Bernie Sanders said X to me in a private meeting. Literally unverifiable. There is no way to verify it unless other people were in the room. Like it's, it's, it's basic journalism 101. And they sprung that into an all-out... By the way, th these are million, tens of millions of dollars when you think of all the airtime allotted to these narratives. They went... They, Bernie called Warren, said Warren can't... Uh, a woman can't run for president. This was four or five days. This is tens of millions of dollars in super PAC attack advertising masquerading as news. That's what it is, folks. You cannot change public sentiment. First of all, we already have changed public sentiment, right? Poll election after election, state after state, the voters are overwhelmingly saying we support getting rid of private health insurance industry in favor of Medicare for all. They, they supported it in fucking Mississippi. Mississippi. 
They trust Bernie Sanders in all of these polls. Number one on health care. They support the Green New Deal. You go down the list. Policy, 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 policy. They support Bernie, AOC, status quo, you. They support the things that you support. Even the older voters. Even in red states. Yet they're voting for the opposite candidate who doesn't support those things. Who takes money from the very industries that live to make sure those things never happen. The only explanation for that is those people have been brainwashed to think those things are not possible. Those things are actually radical. Those things are too expensive. Those things maybe could happen down the road, but if we go for it now, it's, it's, it's definitely going it, to, it's going to be why we lose to Trump. They have been programmed to expect nothing. And you want to know something? Of all people, of all people, I don't know what he was thinking, actually speaking this kind of truth. Listen to what Jake Tapper had to say last night on CNN. Completely frank, I'm getting real 2004 vibes tonight, which is Democrats want to defeat an incumbent Republican so badly, Democratic voters, I mean, that they decide which one is electable and they decide which one is electable and they decide, okay, it's John Kerry, or in this case, it's Joe Biden. There's a huge coalescing around that person. They want to end the primary process as soon as possible. Uh, and then basically they coronate this person. Now, what did we learn uh, in the last few weeks? Uh, Mark McKinnon, former George W. Bush advisor, uh, told me that actually they feared Howard Dean more. Because Howard Dean, even though he was less predictable, there was a, a st starker difference between Howard Dean and George W. Bush. And uh, he was drawing much bigger crowds than John Kerry was able to. And Howard Dean, we had him on the, on the Sunday show, and Howard Dean said, now you tell me. Um, <laughs> but, but the point is that when you have the Democratic electorate deciding that they are all a bunch of Rachel Maddows and Chris Hayes and the like, that they're just, you know, progressive pundits and they're going to pick out who is the best one, maybe they don't necessarily so, always know what they're doing. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I think... Shocking. Maybe they don't always know what they're doing. What Jake Tapper left out there, there was some truth in what he was saying, but what he left out there, why is it, why is it that all of these older voters and viewers are playing pundit, are deciding who's electable? Maybe because you, Jake Tapper, you, CNN, you, MSNBC, you, The New York Times, you, The Washington Post, you, The Daily Beast, you BuzzFeed, you The Atlantic, the list goes on and on and on and on, have been feeding them for two years. Because remember, elections go two years now in this country. Pretty soon it's going to go three, four years. You, instead of reporting on people's actual records, instead of actually reporting on candidates' lies, instead of reporting on the actual policies Instead of actually reporting on the true economic suffering in this country, instead of all that, you have been feeding these pundits, these viewers that have turned themselves into predictors and pundits of who's most electable, 
you have been feeding them the term electability 24-7. You have been framing to these viewers on CNN and MSNBC, these viewers, these voters in Michigan who are literally going to the voting booth, literally saying, I want Medicare for all. Yes, I'm in favor of that, but I'm going to actively vote for Joe Biden because CNN and MSNBC have told me over and over again, that's the safe choice. That's what's going on here. People are voting against their own interests because they have been brainwashed to believe that the safest bet is a moderate, middle-of-the-road, Wall Street-funded, warmongering, pro-fracking, fake civil rights hero, Joe Biden. That's literally, people are going to the polls and voting against their own economic interest because they have continually been fed a caricature of who Bernie Sanders is, of what his policies are and aren't, and they, they succeed by scaring the living hell out of people that Bernie is too far to the left and he can't, these things are too radical and they won't play in the middle of the country. Yes, I'm about to get to what the solution is, but I'm trying to explain the problem before I get to the solution. So they have successfully scared you to scare these people, their audience, the older viewer, into thinking Bernie Sanders is such a risk while lying to them about who actually is the risk. When Donald Trump starts hitting Joe Biden, hey, TPP Joe, hey, NAFTA Joe, hey, Crime Bill Joe. When Donald Trump and the Republican Party start running ads on television all across this country, and it's coming, folks of Joe Biden sniffing little little children's hair, of Joe Biden talking about loving children, rubbing his hairy legs and sitting on his lap. These are coming. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to be blamed. Jordan, don't give them any ideas. Are you f***ing blind? You think they need me or Jimmy Dore to give them ideas? This is the Republican Party. This is Willie Horton ads. This is the Carl Rhodes, the Steve Bannons. These are the most vicious gangsters. They are going to destroy Joe Biden. And the Democratic Party and the public relations people on CNN and MSNBC that work for the Democratic Party have brainwashed people to essentially think Joe Biden is the safest bet. So, I winded this up to tell you what I think. Listen, as important as it it is to knock on doors, and I do think it's very important, you cannot really make a dent in public sentiment unless you have a massive, coordinated, well-polished, and frankly, well-funded alternative to the corporate media. And right now, we do not. Status quo as, as an entity is doing as much as we can. We're doing our part through you. But I'm talking bigger than status quo. Right now, you have a lot of incredible uh, people with large audiences. 
that all go live at the same time as one another, that all post videos at the same time as one another, that frankly don't do a lot of synergy with one another. You know, it was amazing. Uh, I've admired Abby Martin from afar for, for years, but I literally just met her for the first time uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago in California, and she was nice enough to have me on the Empire Files. Um, you know, the Jimmy Doors of the world, the Kyle Kalinskis of the world, the Jamal Thomases of the world, uh, the Gray Zone, uh, Max Blumenthal, Ben Norton, uh, Lee Camp. Um, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. Uh, David from Rational National, The Humanist Report. Um, there are actual other journalists other than me that don't have a lot of, um, you know, don't have a big audience or a big platform. It's isolated and doing our own things on our own islands. We all have our audience, right? We all have our, our Twitter followers. We all have whatever. But we are not, you know, I don't want to go like Hillary Clinton stronger together here. But together... In a, in a coordinated capacity with the synergy between commentators and on-the-ground journalists with actual infrastructure, not just for the journalism aspect, not just for the reporting or, or the commentary, but for actual funding for the technology, how to get it to people, how to get it to young people. Because part of this, frankly, yes, young people watch independent news, but you need to actually get young people to vote. We need to get young people, including in college, not just to agree with us, but registered and to vote. And that is currently not happening on the, lar on the large level that it needs to be. But you also need the technology, the marketing, the social media, and the bandwidth, the way to distribute it to reach older people too. In my experience, in my experience, folks, because I have interviewed, and why I said, it's not that I'm better than Kyle or Jimmy or any of them, I just have a little bit more insight because I've been around the country interviewing so many people. The majority of these older peoples, older peoples, older people, are actually progressive. The very people voting for Joe Biden are progressive, but they have no idea about Joe Biden's record. They have no true idea of what Bernie Sanders' policies are because there's not a connected, coordinated, well-funded, large-scale infrastructure. When I say infrastructure, I mean a network. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's on TV. I don't know if it's on the internet. I don't know if it's on your phone. I don't know. I, I, when I say network, I don't know yet what that looks like. But what I do know is... Lee Camp, Kyle Kalinske, Jimmy Dore, myself, Jen, Humanist Report, The Rational National, all these people. It is stronger and better, but more, more importantly, more effective as one. And by the way, what I am saying right now is actually not good for my personal business interests. So that's how much I believe it. What I am saying would probably actually make me and Jen and status quo in the long term make less money. But I've never been in this because of money. Because I don't make a lot of money. 
we're, we're making good money right now to travel and cover costs, but we're not at a point where like I could have a comfortable life. I hope that comes one day, but that's a far way. Statusco.com slash join. But the truth is, and again, I don't have a better phrase, so sorry if it's creeping you out that it sounds like Hillary Clinton here. We are stronger together 